You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I'm just sitting here broadcasting from the Vivid Seat Studios, man. Ain't no big deal. Make sure if you're planning on going to a game, you're using promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. Alrighty, so today we are going to be taking our first look, preliminary look at the Dallas Cowboys, what they are, who they are, um, just kind of laying the groundwork for tomorrow. Uh, the, the additional goal for me will be to watch a little bit of the tape of the Dallas Cowboys to get a better idea of, of who they are so that tomorrow we can look at uh, strategy. How in the world are we going to beat this team? And then again, on Sunday, the plan will be uh, Positivity Sunday. Now, a little bit of a wrinkle. Um, I did have uh, a listener reach out. Uh, Travis, had he's going to work with me a little bit in terms of coming up with some ideas for the show and whatnot. One of the things that he wanted to do was to um, have sort of an answer the, t- the trolls kind of segment. Don't exactly have a name for it, but that's sort of the general idea. And what we wanted was to have some Cowboys fans maybe call in, text in, whatever, leave some comments, and um, that would kind of, I figured that'd be a good way to kick off Positivity Sunday. Nothing really gets you energized like listening to people talk trash about your team. And so the reason I'm telling you, I was going to not say it, and then it would be a big surprise, but whatever. I'm sure you'll forgive me. The reason I'm telling you is because I need help, we need help reaching out to Dallas Cowboys fans and getting them riled up and convinced that it would be a good idea for them to call the phone number, text, or whatever, Basically, a bunch of trash talk. Now, how this is going to go, I have no idea. You know, it could go as far as they call in and they're just, it's straight up trash talk and it becomes, you know, answer the troll kind of thing. Or it could just be straight up like, look, here are the facts, here's why we're going to win, and it, it's a little bit more intellectual. doesn't really matter, right? The, the questioner kind of sets the tone and I respond to it. I thought it was a good idea. I look forward to doing that. But that segment dies as, as long as nobody calls or texts in. So if you are a Cowboys fan... I know sometimes we have some crossover. People want to listen to uh, opponents' podcasts. Please call in. The uh, phone number is right there. Nothing creepy. I'm not going to answer. It's a Google Voice. It goes right to voicemail. So I'm not going to be eating dinner saying, what do you want? Just uh, just, just talk some trash, man. And I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm not going to be mean about it. Might be a little bit, but it's, it's all in fun. So anyways, that, that would be a fun idea if we can get it to work. Otherwise, again, it would be greatly appreciated if you would check out the... Um, Overtime NFL Draft Edition podcast. That's not what I call it on the show because I don't like that name. But that is the name you need to know if you want to search it and actually find it. Um, Today I did a rookie report, just kind of breaking down all the rookies across the NFL, who's doing good, who's doing bad. Looked at all the first round rookies and then just kind of did, you know, highlights and lowlights from there in week four as well as overall. So again, if you could help to support that, I'm trying to get that off the ground and um, 
making some progress, but it's always discouraging to see how well the Packernet podcast does compared to that. And it's like, man, there's a long way to go. But uh, otherwise, why don't we just take a break and uh, we'll get started looking at the Dallas Cowboys. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So two things I want to say right off the bat. Number one, PFF does not take into account competition. They just don't. Football Outsiders does, which is one of the benefits of Football Outsiders, which is why we're going to be looking at that to kind of see the difference, if there is one. But with that said, bear in mind, the Dallas Cowboys are currently ranked via PFF the number one team in the NFL over the Dallas or over the New England Patriots. Regardless of how bad the competition that they've gone up against is, that's something to be respected. You know, it, it's not their fault that they've gone up against bad teams. It's just a matter of what you do against them. And they've basically just annihilated them. Now, they played the Saints, minus Drew Brees, and got beat, and a team that gets beat by Teddy Bridgewater, and, um, I mean, whatever, you know, not the most impressive thing, but whatever. Sure, it was just a minor blip in the road. Um, Football Outsiders does have them ranked third, so there you go. Again, if you adjust, at least as far as Football Outsiders is able to, which isn't a perfect science, but if you adjust for competition, they're looking at it saying they are behind New England and also behind San Francisco, but ahead of Kansas City. So a good football team. They have their offense ranked second and their defense ranked 15th. So a good team, but also a pretty well-rounded team, which is par- partially why their grade is so high. They're, they're not really elite in any one category. Um, the one thing that really stands out is, is the overall passing grade, but just good pass blockers, good receivers, you know, very good at running the ball. Good defense, good run defense, good pass rush, good coverage. I mean, just just good across the board. A very, you know, high-discipline type team, although the tackling isn't great. Not a lot of real big weaknesses or deficiencies, right? Like the Packers' run defense is not good. The run blocking is not good. The running is not good. The tackling is bad. Special teams is pretty bad. You know, that, that, that adds up. Actually, before we get started, because we're going to start listing off some players here, we should probably look at their um, injury report. So Lael Collins, who I mentioned has so far been their best tackle through the season, still has not practiced. It's been two days now. My assumption is he's going to be back. It's getting to the point where Dallas needs to worry, and from my perspective, this is getting, um, I don't know if I want to say exciting, 
because you don't ever want a guy, you know, to get hurt or blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I'm getting a little excited about it. Now, they are expecting him to play, but, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. If nothing else, the guy's got some back issues and he hasn't practiced all week. Maybe he takes a little bit of a step back. I don't know. Um, But Amari Cooper is back to full participation. Uh, Tyrone Crawford, who didn't practice, is back in a limited fashion. Michael Gallup is still limited. Um, Chris Jones, the punter, went from limited to full. Demarcus Lawrence is still limited with a knee-slash-shoulder injury. Zach Martin, the guard, is still limited with a back injury. Tyron Smith didn't practice. He is not playing. Uh, Xavier Woods is, or excuse me, Antoine Woods is still limited with a knee injury. So for the most part, I'm guessing it's probably just going to be Tyron Smith out. But the offensive line is going to be, it it is the biggest component to this entire team. Right now, Zach Martin and Lael Collins both have back injuries. Lael Collins is their best offensive lineman so far through the year. um, And he's got some issues. Now, Primarily, it's been as a run blocker, but considering the struggles we've had, that that's kind of a lethal thing. So, again, you know, hopefully he's not quite as good as he has been because he's been very, very good. Um, continuing on, the second highest graded player they have on the team is Dak Prescott. Um, from the little bit I've seen, he has operated from a very, very, very clean pocket, which, again, isn't his fault. And the bottom line is, and we'll talk more about it tomorrow, the guy is, he's not the kind of quarterback that from a clean pocket, he still can't figure out what to do. He will carve you up if you give him a clean pocket. It's hard to not give him a clean pocket because how good his offensive line is, but I, I really believe you got to get some pressure on the guy. Now, that's his overall grade is very good. Um, however, looking a little bit closer, if we're all trying to get encouraged and whatnot, elite grade week one, very good grade week two, average in week three, average and slightly lower. He's, he's regressed all four weeks. In terms of statistics, um, his completion percentage was 78%, 86%, 59%, 66%. All those are fine with the exception of week three. Some of those are unbelievably high. He was 30 of 33 um, against Washington. It's ridiculous. And there were, t- <laughs> there were two drops in that game. So basically he was 100% out of 33 passes. That is the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. Except for week one against the Giants where he was 32 of 32. Oh my goodness. Anyways, um, yards per attempt went from 12.7 to 9 to 7.7 to 6.8. Yards went from 405 to 269 to 246 to 223. So in both categories, they've gone down every week. Touchdowns went from 4 to 3 to 2 to 0. Interception 0, 1, 1, 1. So the ratio, four touchdowns, no interceptions, three touchdowns, one interception, two touchdowns, one interception, and then zero touchdowns, one interception. So again, regression. If you want to look at NFL passer rating, 158-3, 123-5, 91-4, 73-2. I mean, same thing happened to Lamar Jackson. He had an elite week one, which was completely unsustainable, and then he started to drop, and he's just continuing to drop. Now, I don't think Dak Prescott... If you were to say, what is he overall? Is he the kind of quarterback that we saw in week four? No, I don't think so. And by the way, I was completely wrong about the attempts. I was looking at drop packs and attempts. I should have been looking at completions per attempts. I don't know how to read. Uh, week one, he was 25 of 32. Week two, he was 26 of 30, etc., etc. I was going to say, is that adjusted completion percentage? What is going on here? Um, also, something to note as far as how many times he's been sacked, just to give you an idea of how good this offensive line is, zero sacks in week one, one in week two, one in week three, one in week four. The guy's been sacked three times. Aaron Rodgers was sacked five times in week one. Granted, he's only been sacked three times since then, which is awesome, but um, he's been 
completely clean, which, again, is why the whole national media thing drives me nuts. Like, oh, Dak is so good. Dude, Dak is th- – week one, Dak was thrown to wide-open receivers with a clean pocket all week long. Zero sacks the whole game. Wide receivers, wide open the whole game. Did you not even – I mean, did, I didn't even watch the game. I just saw the highlights, and I'm looking at it going, that's not even impressive. Um, just to drive home my point, I haven't looked at it until now. This was just speculation up until this exact moment. His grade overall with no pressure, 93.2, elite. 73 completions, 96 attempts. That is 76% uh, completion percentage. His adjusted completion percentage, which is getting rid of his seven drops, which is pretty high, 84.2. He's completing 84.2 completion uh, passes from a clean pocket. He has nine touchdowns and zero interceptions. When he's under pressure, his grade is a 50.9. He is terrible when there's pressure. You put Dak Prescott behind, you know, the Texans offensive line, and this is one of the worst quarterbacks in football. He is 19 of 31 for 250 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions when under pressure. His NFL passer rating with no pressure is 135.5. His NFL passer rating when under pressure is 47.2. He is really, really bad when he's under pressure, um, but he's not under pressure all that much. So we've got to really bring the heat. I know where everybody's worried about the run. Forget the run. Bring the heat. All right, just, I, mean, I don't know why we wouldn't just completely stack the box and just, just go get them all the time. I mean, all we're worried about is pressuring the quarterback and stopping the run. Let's trust our corners on an island a little bit and just go get Dak. I don't know, whatever. We'll, we'll see what happens. But that's Dak in a nutshell. Um, next highest graded player was Michael Gallup. Again, kind of iffy because that was just in week one. Week two was much lower and he hasn't played since. So again, kind of... Uh, Kind of an iffy situation. However, he may be back in week five, just in time for the Packers, so that's fantastic. Next highest graded player not named uh, Tyron Smith is Mr. Zach Martin. Zach Martin is just a very, very good pass blocker, although not the greatest run blocker, so take that for what it's worth. I mean, he's, he's just he's one of the best in the game when it comes to being a pass blocker. Uh, getting pressure on the quarterback uh, against Zach Martin is going to be very difficult. He is consistently dominant as a pass blocker, always has been. I mean, since 2014, he has just been very good to elite consistently, nonstop. The run blocking has been subpar, though, which is a little unusual because he's usually pretty good at that, too. Hopefully, we can take advantage of that a little bit. Um, Amari Cooper has been kind of hot and cold. I mean, he's a, he's a productive guy. Again, his grades are not that good. Um, I think he's he's going to be productive as long as there's there's time for Amari to, excuse me, for Dak to sit in the pocket. He's going to be able to find Amari at some point. Um, but but as far as being like an unbeatable, unstoppable guy, that's just not really the case. He's a good wide receiver. He's not elite. You know, if the Packers can hold down um, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, then they can probably hold down Amari Cooper. Not saying it's going to be easy, but it needs to happen. Um, 106 yards in week one on uh, six receptions. He also had 88 yards in week three. Otherwise, 44 yards in week two and 48 yards in week four. He's had four touchdowns in four games. Uh, last week against New Orleans, however, eight targets, five receptions, 48 yards, no touchdowns. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, again, I've been trying to say that similar to Amari, his grades are not all that good. He's running behind a very good offensive line, so he gets a lot of yards from that. Uh, week one, he had a quote-unquote good running grade. Again, it's similar to Amari, he is good. I'm not trying to deny that. It's just the idea that 
you know, you put him on any team and he's just going to be this elite running back is just absolutely not true. And we can see that when the offensive line struggles or the offensive line is injured, what happens to Ezekiel Elliott? He doesn't create. He runs through holes. Congratulations. Give the guy a medal. It's a slight overstatement, but give me a break with Ezekiel Elliott already. Uh, Week 1, 13 attempts, 53 yards, 4.1 average and a touchdown. One run for more than 10 yards. Had a good grade. Washington also a good grade in Week 2. 23 attempts, 111 yards, 4.8 average, one touchdown. Three 10-plus yard runs. Against Miami was his one very good game. 19 attempts, 125 yards, 6.6 average. Week 4, however... He had a bad overall grade, a very bad run grade, 35 yards on 18 attempts, 1.9 yards per attempt. Still managed to get a touchdown, no big run. Longest run of the night was 6 yards. Randall Cobb is out there just doing kind of Randall Cobby things. He's a pretty average receiver. He was pretty good in week one, right? He had that one really big play, 25 yards. Uh, I don't know if it was a 25-yard touchdown or if it was just a 25-yard catch. I don't remember. I remember there was a ton of highlights in that game. I don't remember if he took that one to the house, but he had... Um, 69 yards and a touchdown. Uh, week two is a bit of a regression. He's getting a decent amount of, of chucks, you know, six targets, five receptions, but only 24 yards. Uh, the next week, five targets, two receptions, 23 yards. And then week four, six targets, three receptions, 41 yards. So aside from week one, he hasn't done a ton. And even that, we're talking again, um, five times he's targeted, four receptions, 69 yards and a touchdown. And the only reason for that was one big play. So it's, it's Randall Cobb. Jason Witten has been shockingly adequate. <laughs> he hasn't been good, but it's it's stunning that he came back and played football and is still decent. The guy's 37 years old. He was born in 1982. That's ridiculous. I didn't even know he was 37. But yeah, I mean, he's he's still getting those little dink and dunks. Four targets, four targets in all of his games. His receptions, 3-4-3-4. Three, four, three, four. So three and a half receptions on four targets every single game. Yardage, uh, week one to week four, it was 15 yards, then 25 yards, then 54 yards, then 50 yards. He's got two touchdowns on the season, none in the last two weeks. But, you know, again, for a 37-year-old guy that took a year off, this is this is somewhat impressive. A hundred, Over 100 passer rating uh, when targeted every single week. Looking specifically at the offensive line, again, it, they've, they've not been what they have been in the past. Some of these guys are struggling a little bit. Zach Martin is their best pass rusher, or pass blocker. He's a very, very good pass blocker. Um, Tyron Smith is the next best guy that they have, the only other very good pass blocker, and he's out. Lael Collins has been um, very good, not elite, not great. Excuse me, good, not very good. And he's got a bit of a back injury. Again, his biggest asset is the fact that he's been an unbelievable run blocker to the point of almost being unsustainable. So maybe it's even been a bit of an outlier. In fact, looking at it specifically, he's had two very, very, very good weeks as a run blocker and two kind of averagey, mediocre-ish games. Other than that, I mean, Connor Williams has been average. Travis Frederick, who is an unbelievable player, has been average. Just very, very weird. But I hope it continues because, again, all we're talking about is one really good pass blocker and one really good run blocker and a whole lot of opportunity. A whole lot of opportunity to blow up the the run game. A whole lot of opportunity to get after the quarterback. Just opportunities abound. Um, Another running back that they've got is uh, Tony Pollard. Now, again, something to keep in mind, he actually has a higher run grade than Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is a 74.8 run grade. With 4.4 yards per attempt, Tony Pollard, 76.4 run grade, 5 yards per attempt. So, again, behind that offensive line, I mean, Aaron Jones would have, you know, 5.8 yards per attempt on that team. I'm not impressed with Ezekiel Elliott's 4.4. But Tony Pollard is another guy to kind of keep an eye on. 
He's also not the best or worst receiver in the world. He's got a much higher receiving grade than Ezekiel Elliott as well. Fourth highest graded receiver on the team. He's only got four targets, four receptions, but took it for 28 yards. So Tony Pollard is another guy to keep an eye on. So really looking at this, I, I just it's not that intimidating. The, the biggest thing that concerns me is the same thing I said with Philly, right? This is very beatable, except if these couple things happen. And I don't want to talk too much strategy, but the bottom line is, if the offensive line is able to, to completely stymie our, our de- defensive line, we're, we're doomed. We're done, right? If, if, if Cam, or if Cam, my goodness, if Dak has all the time in the world to throw and they're able to push our guys out of the way and run, it's kind of doom time. But if we can get pressure on Dak and, and slow the rushing attack, if, if we can just beat the offensive line, that's it. Just beat the offensive line. I don't think they have much of a chance. Dak can't throw under pressure. Ezekiel Elliott can't create it by himself. Beat the offensive line, and they're done. Anyways, let's take a second break. We'll take a look at their defense, and uh, we'll we'll get out of here. The defense overall so far this season um, has one guy that's graded out as very good, and that's Mr. Robert Quinn, entirely because of his pass rush ability so far. His run defense and tackling and coverage have been absolutely abysmal. Um, he's got nine pressures but three sacks, which is a pretty unsustainable number if we remember Kyler Fackrell. Although, he sustained that for a season, so who am I to talk? But uh, also, to be noted, he did not play in weeks one or two. So that is to say, this is a guy who um, essentially has not been very good. He had, I don't know, maybe two or three good years throughout his entire career. It's possible this is going to be another resurgence, right? He was kind of bad for a couple years and then had three pretty good years with the Rams and then was bad again and then went to Miami and was bad and now he's back in Dallas or he's he's back and he's with Dallas. Well, I guess what I'm trying to get at, it's more likely that this is a fluke than anything else. And it's only been two weeks, weeks three and four. And he's been terrible against the run, a terrible tackler and terrible in coverage. And he's gone up against Miami and New Orleans. Now, New Orleans doesn't have the worst offensive line, but Miami is pretty horrible, which is where he had most of his, he had an elite pass rush grade against Miami, which is horrible. Now, again, he still did pretty good against New Orleans, but still, Teron Armstead is having a bit of a slow year, so not giving him that much credit. Neither of these players are David Bakhtiari for Miami or New Orleans. Outside of that, that, you got a pile of players that are quote-unquote good. Uh, Jeff Heath at safety mostly because of his tackling grade. Uh, run defense is pretty poor. Demarcus Lawrence is, is good, which is a really big negative because it should be a lot higher. Now, granted, he's had 15 total pressures, so there's nothing bad about it, but it's still, for his standard, not exactly... He's a very good football player. I, I guess between Robert Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence, if you look at it, Robert Quinn is graded higher than Demarcus Lawrence. I expect that to switch. I think by the end of the year, Demarcus Lawrence is going to be graded much higher, which is to say... I'm not worried about the fact that Robert Quinn is graded very high. I'm worried about Demarcus Lawrence. Now, with that said, he went up against a very good right tackle last week, and um, he did have a sack, but that was literally his only pressure of the entire day. So it was not a very good day for him. So again, I don't know what the deal is with, with Lawrence, but he's not really playing up to his standard. Hopefully that continues, because if he kind of does what Demarcus Lawrence typically does, this is going to be another rough outing. And this is assuming Brian Balaga is, is playing and healthy and everything else. If there's any issues with Brian Balaga or he's not playing or whatever, then I, I just, I don't know, I forfeit, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Leighton Vanderesh is another one who is uh, really, really not playing up to his standard. He's only played for, you know, one year prior to the season, but his run defense grade and tackling grade have been really, 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 really terrible, which is strange because he's very good at that. Um, coverage and pass rush, he's doing fine, but his, his run-stopping ability has been just straight-up trash. So again... 
Let's hope that continues at least one more week. In fact, Jalen Smith, the other running back, is the only one that's that's uh, somewhat good at his run defense and his coverage grade has been horrible. So you got one of each, I guess. But let's hope that that continues for both because Jalen Smith is actually a pretty decent coverage linebacker. So I don't know what the deal is there. There's there's a lot. It's it's probably just early, right? A lot of weird stuff going on early. It's just a matter of what's going to happen this week, and that's kind of the thing. You know, you're looking at it, and it's like, you know, is is Dak super elite because of how good he was early, or is he super trash, or is he going to just kind of be like what like what Dak usually is? Which is also to say we have no idea what's going to happen. We don't know who the Packers are. We don't know if we're going to get week one defense or week four defense. We don't know if we're going to get week four Aaron Rodgers or week one Aaron Rodgers or 2017 or 2018 Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what's going to happen. Is Are, are the Packers going to have a run game at some point? Is it going to happen this week? Is it still not going to be there? Um, you know, are we going to get Zadarius and Preston and all these great pass rushers? Is Rashawn going to be like, crazy good or is he going to be crazy trash like what I, I don't know what's going to happen that's why it's so hard even going through this to try to tell you like about the team because everything has so many caveats to it you know he's playing kind of good except he's kind of bad except he's probably better than this because he's been better than this for several years then again he hasn't been good this year and there's no telling when he'll get better if he gets better so I don't I don't know what to say about this guy it's early. I remember somebody in the Facebook group said something. I, I didn't respond to it, but somebody had left a comment about, you know, whatever happened to September being preseason for the starters. It's like, what What do you mean what happened to it? <laughs> We're watching it. That's what happened to it. I don't know what you're even saying. I mean, so, some people, some teams, some players kind of come out and just boom, we're in We're in postseason mode. But even them are, the, even those things are starting to change, right? The, the Packers come out, boom, they're, they're in postseason mode on defense. They're ready to go. What happened week four? Apparently, they're not that good. I don't know. Maybe they're going up against offenses that are in preseason mode. Maybe that's what made them look bad. I, we don't know anything yet. It's too early. Uh, one of the, the bigger benefits is the fact that they're somewhat struggling uh, in terms of coverage. They're not bad. This isn't Eagles bad, but they don't really have any real top cover corners. Uh, Jordan Lewis and Byron Jones are fine, but there's nobody that's super top tier. Now, unfortunately, we don't have Devontae Adams to pick on people. But I, I really do believe if we can give Aaron Rodgers time, again, considering what I saw last week with guys being open on a regular basis, I don't think this is going to be like lockdown territory. It's going to be harder than the Eagles, but just give Aaron Rodgers time to find the guy that's going to be open, and I think there's going to be a lot of progress in that regard. I'm um, looking at some of the statistics here. Um, Malik Collins is another guy to watch out for. I mentioned Demarcus Lawrence has 15 pressures. Malik Collins on the inside has 14 total pressures. Now, combined, they've only got five sacks, which doesn't seem like that much. But again, 15 and 14 pressure, that's a lot. Outside of those guys, it drops down to, again, Robert Quinn at 9, Kerry Heider, edge rusher at 8, Durant Armstrong at 7. They've got 75 total pressures as a defense, which kind of seems like a lot until you realize the Packers have 97, because Darius Smith has 23 pressures. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He's not in the lead anymore, by the way. Daniil Hunter has stayed in the lead at 27. Khalil Mack is tied with him at 27. He's fallen off because last week was not a great week. However, he's still 7th with 23 pressures. Preston Smith is still 11th with uh, 19 pressures. So just trying to put that into context, it doesn't necessarily mean we're doomed, but these are very good good players that we're going up against. Also of note, I mentioned the cornerbacks. Um, so far this season, they've only had one interception, but they've got 14 pass breakups. Packers have four picks and 13 pass breakups. So they're getting their hands on some balls, but um, 
not great news for a team that's struggling to get turnovers that they're going up against Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't give you any. And as per usual, and again, I'll talk about this more tomorrow, I think turnovers are going to be a, a big component. The Packers have done a great job getting the ball. Um, the Dallas Cowboys so far have four turnovers. The Packers, although they didn't get any last week, which is disheartening, have eight total turnovers. And that was, again, that was in three weeks. Seven of the eight came in two weeks. But something else to keep in mind, the, the Dallas Cowboys had three turnovers just last week. So that's going to be one of the big keys. They, they gave up the ball a lot last week. We need to keep that ball moving and get the ball out of their hands. We win the turnover battle and win it convincingly, and that's as I've said before, that's one of the biggest predictors of, of wins and losses. It seems kind of silly that it's so cut and dry because even, even points, which seems like it should be cut and dry, are less of an indication of wins and losses than turnovers are. So that, that is another thing to keep an eye on. The emphasis of, of big plays, really, sacks, picks, fumble recoveries, but also on the other side, do not fumble the ball. This, in my mind, is going to be similar to the Eagles game in which you know how you beat this team? Do you know how you win? Don't shoot yourself in the foot. That's it. The Packers went out with a shotgun and blasted both of their feet off against the Eagles. Suddenly, the defense doesn't know how to play the run. Suddenly, we don't know how to rush the passer. Suddenly, we don't know how to get turnovers anymore. Suddenly, we, we you know, we, we, we can't even, I guess we've never really been able to run the ball, but we're, we're even worse at that than ever. Just a double barrel blast right to the big toe. Just blasted the whole thing right off. Just go out, make plays. Right? The offense is gonna gonna make plays. I'm I'm fairly confident in that. The defense has to get back on their game. They gotta be aggressive. They gotta drive on the ball. They've gotta get after the quarterback. And f- please, 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 please don't let Ezekiel Elliott gash us for 215 yards. Because we don't know basic assignments. If we're putting two guys in one gap, guess what? That's going to be a 40-yard run. Come on, man. But anyways, that that's pretty much it. I mean, they've got a a again, it's kind of it's kind of iffy, right? Because I can look at it and say they've got a, an okay offensive line, but really it's a much better offensive line. Some of these guys just aren't playing up to their full potential thus far. Maybe they turn it on, and if they do, Tyron Smith is a very big deal, but they've still got some pretty good offensive linemen. If they don't get any better, this isn't that good of an offensive line especially depending on what happens with Lael Collins and what he's able to do. You know, Dak, you know, he's a really good quarterback sometimes. He's also really bad sometimes, and he's been getting worse literally every week so far this season. And I don't think it's a coincidence that his left tackle goes down, who's, who's a very, very good left tackle and a, a cornerstone of this offensive line, and suddenly Dak kind of falls apart as well. So does Ezekiel Elliott. If that continues, by the way, if if they're, if they're still not able to get Dak and Ezekiel Elliott going because the offensive line is, is hampered or hindered, it's, it's already over. Again, unless we just go out with, with the shotguns and start shooting ourselves in the feet. But as I've said several times now, don't be discouraged about this game. I know it's scary, and I know what could potentially happen. Right? This is a team that can, if they get into a rhythm, they're just going to steamroll you. And same with the defense. So it's one of those things where this could be really, 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 really ugly. On the other hand, if just a couple things go right, this is going to be very easy. And again, I think the biggest thing, and I shouldn't be saying this because tomorrow's strategy day, beat the offensive line. Beat the offensive line, I think you beat the Cowboys. Anyways, that's it. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.